this week's Daily Info Oxcast, your weekly roundup of all the best events happening in and around Oxford. It's the 19th of August 2015 and today I'm here with Mike and Michael, <laughs> not to confuse anyone. I'll be talking about turkey trophies and transport. I've got Wellingtons, spaceships and a case of mistaken identity. And uh, this week I'll be talking about demos, dubstep and dragons. But before we begin, we do have a competition running at the moment. It's for the Foodies Festival over the bank holiday weekend. And you could win one of five pairs of tickets that we're giving away. So you're running with a good chance of winning this one. All you have to do is send us your favourite recipe. We've had some good ones in so far. Mojito lollies, I think, are a personal favourite. Yeah, uh, the meat-covered pineapple was a solid yeah, move. Yeah, it's I like thought. meat, pineapple, meat. Yeah. Or something. So send in send in a, an inventive recipe, and you could win one of these pairs of tickets. So you can look on our site at dailyinfo.co.uk forward slash foodiescomp2015, or you can just email in your recipe to foodies at dailyinfo.co.uk. The competition is closing on Monday, so make sure you enter quickly. But let's start with our Oxford fact, as we always do. And this week, it's not really one fact, but I thought we should probably mention that it's the Oxford Brooks 150th anniversary year this year, which we just haven't mentioned for the entire year. So (laughs) that seems a bit rude not to say something about them. So for the 150th anniversary this year, Brooks launched a special edition ale to celebrate. It's called the John Henry Brooks Ale. It's got a fun little sticker over it, and it was made in the Shotover Brewery. So I think you can still order those, and they serve them at Brooks Restaurant. So if you want to go and try the special edition Brooks Ale, then you can do that this year. What's it like? Do you know? I haven't tried it. Uh. Apparently it's quite hoppy. Ah. Other fun facts about Brooks. Uh, as most people know, they opened their John Henry Brooks building last year or the year before. Anyway, it's quite new uh, and it's quite cool. And the Royal Institute of British Architects ranked it as one of the top 15 buildings with the greatest contribution to the evolution of architecture over wow. the last year. You can tell it's architecturally cool, can't you? Because it's got <laughs> bits sticking out everywhere. And lastly, and actually I'm going to drop in Brooks' uh, facts throughout anyway, but the pink buses that you may have seen around Oxford are a specially designed bus using eco-technology called Gyrodrive. And this technology was designed by the Oxfordshire F1 team Williams wow. in combination with some Brooks alumni. So they're really fast buses. Well, they're eco buses. So this technology, gyro drive, is a kinetic technology that harvests the energy so they can be more efficient. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and so they've won like loads of prizes and stuff for it. They've been around since last year, but now I think they're only becoming pink now. So I think all <laughs> yeah. the Brooks buses were gyro drive buses last year, but now they're pink, which is cool. And they, I think they've got other improvements made to them as well. I suppose when they're coming down Headington Hill, if they can get enough speed up and can go through the lights, they can just carry on all the way into town. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe, I'm not really sure. (laughs) But yeah, so those are some Brooks facts for the week to mark its 150th anniversary year. But let's start the events, and we've got something starting today. Yeah, so thinking about Brooks art, all the budding artists out there, there's um, Broad Canvas on Broad Street as having a demo week starting today. 
So this is a week of demonstrations um, outside the shop from their resident artists and their people, demonstrating techniques and materials that you might not be familiar with, you might not have thought to use. So um, they're specialising in brush pens and markers, pencils and graphite and acrylic inks, just as a, as a random selection. But I mean, even if you aren't an artist yourself and don't fancy learning new things about how to make art, then it's just a form of, sort of street performance, isn't it? I mean, Corn Market's full of all these buskers. And we were chatting about this uh, yesterday, actually, our favourite buskers in Oxford. I mean, I, I reckon the, the Fiddler on the Tightrope has um, a, strong, a very strong performance. Yeah. Yeah, so there's going to be live art on Broad Street, which is going to be very fun. It starts today, um, runs until the end of the week, and it starts at 10 every day. And it's all free. So go down and have a look. Cool. So at the end, are there going to be pieces that people have been working on for the week or something like that? Hopefully. Maybe. Cool. Yeah. Exciting. And something a little different. There's going to be an acoustic night at the Mad Hatter on Friday. Looks like a nice way to start the weekend. So we've got Clark and Moore, an acoustic duo on keys and guitar, and Burning Bees. So Clark and Moore have been bringing their mellowness to such venues as the Wheat Chief and previous acoustic nights at the Mad Hatter. Um, I'd be intrigued to hear their sweet harmonies because there's actually nothing to listen to online that I can find. Um, from the photos, it looks like they sound great. But who is Clark? Who is Moore? <laughs> it gets curious. Mystery men of Oxford. Yeah, one is not a man, ah. apparently. I find some other Jews named Clark and Moore who it's certainly not. So we can eliminate the Californian hoteliers from the 19th century we can eliminate the high school angling duo from a competitive Tennessee fishing team known for catching loads of bass. <laughs> it's definitely not them. No, but these guys might be catching loads of bass. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, it looks like there's only one way to find out who the real Clark and Moore are. On Friday, support comes from Burning Bees, a seven-piece band, um, bringing some West Coast vibes to a not particularly West Coast weekend in terms of weather. These guys are not in denial of their Englishness. Uh, a sample line I heard earlier on was, you got your wellies on, there ain't no sign of rain. <laughs> Isn't that nice? So they've been around a little bit longer, uh, these bees. Uh, their album's on iTunes. You can check them out on Facebook as well. I was feeling so chilled earlier on when I had a listen. I kind of forgot I was in the office. So yeah, it might be a nice way to start the weekend. And at £5 on the door, it's probably worth a punt, especially if you like the vibe of the Mad Hatter and its adventurous cocktails. So that's this Friday, the 21st at 7 well, back again for its second year, everyone's favourite, well, my favourite <laughs> August festival. It's the Oxford Wine Festival, back on Friday and Saturday this weekend. I spoke to Chris, one of the organisers of the festival, and he told me lots of fun things, got me really excited for the weekend. So I'm here with Chris from the Oxford Wine Festival, and we're going to talk about this year's festival which is actually this weekend isn't it it's yeah it's this friday and saturday i'm really excited no it's gonna be fantastic yeah i think it's gonna be an awful lot bigger there's gonna be mm -hmm. an awful lot more going on this year so uh, yeah we're pretty excited about it i actually founded the the festival last okay. year uh so it's the second year we've done it mm -hmm. um my background is kind of in events and in wine importation mm -hmm. so uh, it seemed like a sort of obvious uh, thing to set up and you know since I live in Oxford and love the city it's a it's a great place to set up uh, the festival as well so I've got a much wider range of uh, wine producing countries as well so we've got um, 
a much kind of expanded uh, emerging regions section, which is kind of something I find really, really interesting. So we've got wines from India. Uh, we've got wines mm. from Brazil, uh, Macedonia, uh, Georgia, which is um, starting to make some really kind of big names for itself uh, in, in the wine world. So uh, that's a really interesting area, I think, and it's, yeah, it's a lot expanded on last mm. year. We've got uh, Signature Wines doing Macedonia, who are probably the, the UK's leading mm. expert on, on Macedonian wines and that kind of part of... Uh, of the Eastern Mediterranean. And we've got the Georgian Wine Society who are doing Georgian wines. They're probably the, again, the UK's leading expert on those. So yeah, so we've got sort of 40 or so, you know, experts in, in total, each hosting different stalls. Tell me how the days work, what sort of things you can book if you want to go along. Yeah, so uh, we have, it's arranged in four hour sessions. So we have an evening session on Friday night from 6 till 10 p.m. And then we've got two sessions on the Saturday. We've got an afternoon session from 12.30 to 4.30. And then an evening session from 6 till 10 again. And you can turn up on the door or you can book your tickets in advance. Um, we've got a fairly extensive tutored tasting programme as well. So on each day we have four or five uh, tutored tastings that you can book into. Quite a few of those have sold out now, but there's still a few places left if people want to go on the website and see which ones are still available. There's also a couple of masterclasses for people who really want to get stuck in, you know, in depth and try some really uh, sort of high-end wines. Uh, masterclasses for tasting or for making? Uh, no, oh, for tasting. For tasting, yeah. okay. So they're both led by these people who are called masters of wine. There's like right. 300 of them in the world and you need <laughs> to pass the most unbelievably strenuous exams to get it. I mean, you have to be able to like blind taste any wine. Um, so they're a very kind of rare breed. And I think we have about 10 of them coming along to this year's festival. Wow. So out of 300? Out of 300. So it's it's really nice that sort of people are, you know, taking notice. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's an event which is hopefully going to sort of become a, a fixture in the wine world. Are there, so I don't know, maybe top five wines you think people should taste when they go is that too hard I, yeah that's quite tricky because i mean i think there's i think i counted them up we've got about sort of 500 wines <laughs> on on show um or maybe something you're looking forward to then or yeah i mean there's a I, we've got wines of australia um the kind of marketing body for the whole of australia mm -hmm. um coming along and sort of bringing their kind of best picks from Australia. Okay. So I know for a fact they have some pretty extraordinary wines on their stall, uh, which I reckon will sell out pretty quickly. Mm. You know, really, really high-end wines, which you can sample, you know, just with your with your entry ticket. So, so that's something I'm going to sort of get in and try before everyone mm -hmm. else gets in. So, I mean, the, yeah, the website is um, www.oxfordwinefestival.org. Um, we've got a, a Facebook page um, and a Facebook event where we post sort of updates on, you know, what's going on and all sorts of information about what you can get involved in during the day. Um, we're on Twitter as well. I think it's Oxford Wine Fest, um, so you can find us there too. Um, so, yeah, if you want to sort of uh, connect with us, uh, if you have any questions, then um, just get in touch and we'll be very happy to, um, yeah, to, to let you know what you need to know. If you want to hear more about Chris's favourite and least favourite wines and some really interesting stuff about global warming and its effect on winemaking um, and more about his life as a wine taster and buyer, which sounds awesome, um, you can find that in the Oxcast Extra. You can also find lots of interviews in the Oxcast Extra that we've done over the past couple of years. People who run events in Oxford, things that come around every year, so they're always relevant, as well as loads of other interesting things. Uh, like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram.
and you can subscribe to the Oxcast on iTunes so you can be kept up to date on what's happening every week. So the wine festival sounds really good, but um, if you're more into K-Cider, there might be an event for you this weekend. It's called the Simple Weekender and it's a stripped out back to basics um, dance festival. Um, so sort of EDM, house, dubstep, techno, all that kind of stuff. Big rave in a field for the weekend. So, you know, if you love clubbing so much that you ever, don't ever want to go home, then it's probably for you because you don't have to. So there are a few local people playing, sort of deep cover DJs, people like that. But headlining are the PBR Street Gang, who um, we're listening to today and um, who's pumping. It's running from Friday to Monday. Tickets are 40 quid, including camping. So, you know, if you're not doing anything else, then head on down, have a bit of a dance. And that is being held in Waterstock. From the field to the gallery, something safely contained indoors. Something new is opening at Modern Art Oxford this weekend. So after recent successes, including the Warhol and William Morris exhibit, uh, Modern Art is about to reopen its main gallery spaces on Saturday for Fly Me to the Moon the UK's first solo exhibition of the work of Kiki Kugelnik, an Austrian artist whose career kicked off in early 60s Vienna. She really found her style bang in the middle of pop art in New York. So fly me to the moon. Uh, this show is broadly going to focus on her work in the Cold War era, but it's not as stark as that might suggest. Kugelnik's bright colours and vibrant two-dimensionality of her paintings get across some of the excitement that the space race was generating in mid-60s America, and it looks really attractive, but the subjects, robots, skulls, war machinery, definitely show the fear that was around then too. So hers isn't a body of work in praise of modernity, like Warhol's. It looks like one of those exhibitions that Modern Art Oxford does really well. An underappreciated artist whose body of work is given a bit of space, presented thematically with uh, a focus on the two sides of technological advance, but giving uh, entry points for the uninitiated, like myself. So it appears to follow on from the previous show, the Lynn Hirschman Leeson, uh, in these respects. But these things can go either way, can't they? As curations in art, not science. Uh, so if you want to see how this one turns out, um, it's opening to the public on Saturday, the 22nd, and running until the 18th of October. And just like the best things in life, it is totally free. You can also read a review of Modern Art Oxford on our site, uh, written by Michael here. Well, something else going on this weekend, lots of stuff on the weekend... Rugby in the Parks is back in South Parks from 11 till 4. Uh, there'll be lots of local rugby clubs there, so I guess the Harlequins will be there. I don't know if the Oxford Barbarians still exist. That was the women's version of the Harlequins that I used to be in as a kid. Really? Yeah. But there'll be lots and lots of local clubs. He'll be playing tournaments. There's tournaments for children and adults. And they'll be doing some touch and tag rugby and lots of different things. You can watch them play. You can get involved with lots of games happening. As well as that, there are going to be market stalls and lots of rugby-themed events, which I thought initially would just be kicking rugby balls, but actually they've got this kicking dome, which is like an inflatable dome that they're putting up. Oh, wow. And there's going to be cool stuff in there. Um, and there's also master classes, so there's loads of cool things you can do, really even if you don't want to play a game yourself. You can also get a picture with the World Cup trophy, which is going to be there. It will be on day 74 of its tour, the Werbelis Trophy, which New Zealand won in 2011. So you can go get your selfie or your picture with the trophy and what have you. Hopefully it's a while away from the kicking dome though. And as most people know, this year's World Cup is going to be in the UK as well. So lots of fun things to do for the excitable rugby fans this weekend in South Parks. Um, I should point out that there is no parking there, so don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> or park somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. 
because you'll find it very difficult, as most people know, parking around South Parks. Interesting facts about rugby. Did you know that, well, it's the only sport that has a try uh, as its goal name. Mm. And it's called this because the rules used to be that when you cross the line at the end, you didn't get any points, but you got to try and kick the ball. So if you got over the line, that meant that you got to try and kick it. Yeah. So mm. now it's called a try. And I'm going to slip in another Brooks fact as well, just to uh, keep on the Brooks theme. And that is that the co-designer of the Olympic torch, Jay Osgaby, also went to Brooks. So there you go, another little Brooks fact slipped in there. But anyway, this is Rugby in the Parks. It's on Sunday in South Parks from 11 till 4. And from rugby to room on the broom. <laughs> this is the children's musical that's on at the Oxford Playhouse this week. You might recognise the name because it's uh, quite a famous children's book now and there was a little TV film at Christmas, I think. I remember that. Maybe it was a dream. <laughs> uh, so the story is a witch loses all her things on a storm while she's riding around on her broom and she's helped out by a dog, a bird and a frog who they all find her things. I think she loses her wand and then some other things. A hat, probably. To um, reward them, she gives them a ride on the broom. But because there's five of them, uh, it's too heavy and the broom snaps in two. Yeah. And then... I didn't really follow the story from then on, but a dragon was involved and mild peril. So <laughs> Don't spoil it. <laughs> you should watch it. go watch it to find out what happens in the end. Um, and it's looking like quite a good show, actually, because obviously this, all this original music has been written for it. it. Sounds pretty fun. There's also, to do with the animals, instead of people dressing up, they've got really exciting puppets. Oh. So it's kind of in this, you know, that, that war horse style. Yeah. I mean, not quite as elaborate, but... Got these guys running around with sort of a dog on their hands, um, and it's it's interesting because these puppets don't have facial expressions; they can only move their mouths and things. Um, and so the actors are doing all the facial expressions behind them. And I was watching the video, and I was getting distracted. But I suppose it's it's a different relationship between the performer and the costume and how the uh, catch actually works. But it looks lots of fun for children, anyway, and childlike adults. Um, that's running Tuesday to Saturday, um, shows at 11 and 2, and it's £13 or £11 concessions at the Oxford Playhouse. Our last event this week is at the History of Science Museum. Seven on Tuesday, Harry's Nobel Prize is another talk by the historian of science professor John Heilbronn, who published Life and Letters biography of Henry Moseley in 1974, and then is coming back with this talk about why he didn't win the Nobel Prize, which is the main thing that people like to talk about, about Henry Moseley. <laughs> that is one failing. Um, I guess, as most people know, he was a very accomplished chemist and physicist and proved loads of chemistry and physics stuff. It's really <laughs> detailed. Uh, he, he apparently he proved that every element's identity is uniquely determined by the number of protons it has. Really? So then that meant that he could predict new elements, I guess, and the ones that he predicted were all discovered. And then he would have been awarded the Nobel Prize, most people think, but he joined the armed services at the start of World War One and was killed in the invasion of Turkey. Mm. But this is what Professor Hilbron is going to be talking about, whether it was actually this him joining up and dying that uh, stopped him winning the prize. So that will be on Tuesday. Um, that's free. Booking is recommended as uh, they are assuming it's going to fill up. So these are talks at the History of Science Museum, Tuesday at 7, and they're free. And there's going to be things following up from these as well. There's um, other exhibitions to do with uh, Henry Moseley uh, coming up as well. If you want to find out any more about any of these events, you can look in the What's On section of our website. Uh, and just to mention again, the Foodies Festival competition. 
um, send us your favourite recipe and we'll make some of them, try them and then decide. <laughs> and we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as Daily Info Oxford. Mm, 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 mm. Daily, daily, daily info. 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 Mm. Daily, daily,